Why have I quit my job? Why have I, you know, bought a van? And, and why am I going to drive around the country? Well, I'm passionate about the idea that you need to be heard. And I want to stitch these stories together across the states. We're going to find the commonalities. And it's going to be really an amazing experience. And I look forward to you joining me on the job. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Mental Health Today. It's your host, Ken Stearns. Um, yeah, I'm sitting here in Wichita, Kansas. I'm nearly in the absolute dead center geographically of the United States. And I uh, just had two amazing interviews today, face-to-face uh, -face with some people with the jar. And as, as I said in that commercial, uh, I, I probably recorded those words about 18 months ago. And the main takeaway that I had at a break after after 200 interviews in about 60 cities was, you know, the mental health crisis that we've got in the United States and the very disorganized, um, difficult approach people, ha you know, get to, to kind of walking through the halls of help and finding help, getting the right help, um, you know, how to ask questions. And once you're even in the machinery, um, how it works. And I was really surprised at, at how, you know, other than just traditional therapy, there are really some, you know, there's some limited resources out there and not many spotlights on the resources outside of traditional, traditional um, therapies. And there's just, there's so many opportunities, so many th good things happening. And so this show is really all about giving a voice to people doing stuff within the industry with a passion. And so I've got Phil Burgess, I've got Felix from within uh, here today to kind of share a little bit about what they're doing. Uh, guys, How's it going? Thank and for again, super apologies for the UK phone call at midnight. This just shows absolutely how <laughs> dedicated you guys are to what you're doing, and I and I love it, man. Tell us, tell me what's going on. Yeah, well, thanks for having us, Ken. It's great to be here. Um, well, yeah, why don't we start by just introducing ourselves and 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 why why we're here, That's like great. as as a bit of a package. Felix and I go back about twelve years, and um, actually, Felix was working for for a small creative agency in Soho in London. Uh, it's about 35 people. And he recruited me into the team um, along with the MD to help run um, an online communities division there. And uh, about six months after we were, um, after I joined, we were purchased by a large holding company and they smashed us together with a, another organization and we became a 400 person overnight. <laughs> and, and where our fates really got intertwined was, um, oh. Just after we'd both had our first um, first kids, uh, not together, separately, yes. <laughs> um, we were promoted into a, a joint managing director position. So kind of an unorthodox position running the London office Ooh. together in a, a co-leadership role. Uh, and that was our first foray into leadership. And we, we didn't really know what we were doing, but we, we over a three year period, we took the business through quite a big culture transformation by okay. really focusing on um, people and culture and values and um we sort of turned the business around and, and then we went that's all crazy ways. talk phil crazy talk i know that's who, all who crazy folks. talk over here in america we, we don't talk about that stuff <laughs> focusing on people and um and yeah they do good stuff and they, they stay longer and, and they helped us grow the business um but then um we went our separate ways i i moved to the states for four years as chief people officer and saw the business yeah. through the pandemic um yeah and felix was running the the london office um and um, why don't I, I'll pass the baton over to him and he can maybe tell you how we ended up in the, the mental health space. Mm. 
Yeah, perfect. Thanks, thanks for having us, Ken. Um, yeah, I guess I guess the kind of aha moment of of how the within venture came about was really a moment during the pandemic when we were, um, you know, Phil was in the US, I was in the UK, and we were dealing with a lot of the issues that you mentioned, Ken, um, yeah. in your introduction. So we had a lot of burnout. We had a lot of uh, folks on sick leave. We had a lot of people with signs of depression. And also generally, like just a, a, a you know a very transactional relationship to work. So people yeah. didn't really, they didn't really felt they belong that much anymore. And we had, um, especially when I had huge amounts of attrition, 40, 45% of people had left in any given 12 month period. So Whoa. in a professional services Whoa. business, that's that's really tough to hire so many people and, and see them come and go so quickly. Yes. It's completely unusual for, for the business that we were at the time beforehand. It was very... You know, people really cared about the business and, and they really meant it. So we were flabbergasted by that situation. And um, we tried a bunch of different things. We got, you know, like everyone, uh, we, we did a Headspace app subscription that we would be able to supply to our people. We had a resilience speaker come in and talk about resilience and, and how you can survive all this stuff. And we did duvet days, like all the things that, you know, people in, in leadership and people maybe in, in HR yes. choose to kind of battle the, the kind of uh, mental health crisis at work. Now, the issue is that, you know, we, we talked about measurement uh, in, in the warm up. We really couldn't see a lot of impact when we did these things. Mm -hmm. So lots of initiatives, but nothing really moved. Yes, nothing the changing. Nothing changing. Um, it, we could stand up and say, hey, we've, you know, we've done it, guys, be happy, but it clearly didn't work. So we were frustrated by that. And when things change, like we, we ended up working with a social enterprise um, that's based in London. It's called Talk for Health and it has been going for over 10 years. And, and the main method that they deploy is they teach lay people like you and me the fundamentals of therapeutic talk and listening. So they don't require a one-to-one -one therapy relationship. They don't require a person who has been in university for many years, but they resource normal people from the community with the key skills of how you listen without mm. judgment, how you share truthfully. So they had done this in the community with the National Health Service for many years with great results. So they had done clinical studies that say, actually, it's as good, if not better than classical one-to-one -one therapy. So we were like, we, we knew them socially. So we're like, let's do a pilot of this method yeah. in the corporate sector. So we did that. We took in total, we took 50 people through the program across US, UK uh, audiences because that's where the business was located. Phil was sponsoring it in the US as chief people officer. I was sponsoring it as regional CEO in London, and we took part in it ourselves. And it's mainly a training program. It's um, between nine and 10 hours of training where you teach people okay. these skills, and then they are being put into triads, groups of three, and then they apply these methods uh, ah, with each other. Exactly. So they meet once okay. a week for 45 minutes and they apply the thing that they have learned. Turns out if you do that, you have huge benefits. Huge <laughs> so we, we looked at the numbers and we, we had, you know, we, we, uh, Phil can talk to the anecdotal evidence, but we really had an uplift in people who were not leaving the business and who stayed. We had an uplift. Like we were able to half the amount of people that um, showed signs of depression. Mm. And we just basically, like last sentence, we looked at the data and we're like, this is, this is brilliant stuff. Maybe there's a venture in this. Maybe we should speak to Talk for Health, license the method, and now we are on the mission to take this method that we know works and take it to the corporate world and say, we have a method that actually is working. And you don't need a therapist. You don't need experts. We, we teach your people. And if they do that, it's a peer model. You're, you're golden. So that's the that's the aha moment. And and maybe Phil, yeah, or you know, either you have questions or Phil can talk more about the kind of some of the 
the the testimonials and yeah. the evidence that we had behind it. Oh, Phil, yeah, um, yeah, I can dive. I can dive in. Um, I mean, I think I think for me, the thing that I really appreciated about the program, beyond the improved well-being scores and engagement data, was this phenomenal sense of connection that that developed uh, through the relationships yes. that people yeah. built on the program. Yeah. And I think I think when I reflect now on things like the the loneliness epidemic in America and the the recent advisory from um, the U.S. Surgeon General and and this sort of state of disconnection, I think that's really what we were offering an antidote to. And I'm not sure we necessarily even realized at the time, we knew that people felt disconnected. We knew that we were hearing from younger employees that they were sort of stuck in small apartments and, and um, not, not feeling socially connected to work. And we'd moved to a much more hybrid remote model after the pandemic. But but people after this program were saying things like, I've, I've been at this company for 10 years and I love it here. And I've never felt as connected to my colleagues as I do now. And I think it was that very simple process of being able to show up as a human with all your flaws, not pour everything out, but being able to choose what you shared with the group, yes. have them listen to you, feel witnessed, do the same for others in this sort of reciprocal way. Um, and um, yeah, people were like, it, it was transformational for me. And um, I think that's what gave us the conviction to say, let's take this into corporates and and let's try to make businesses more human because everyone's grappling with this. No one really knows what to do. Nope, it's and absolutely it, nobody knows what to do. Yeah. I mean, from our point of view, I think it's like, how do you help people build intentional relationships and how do you build connection? Uh, and, and it's it's actually very simple, um, but it does require <laughs> time and effort and, and yes. space for people to do it and, and some skills development too. It's I, a, it's a I think skill. this is interesting. You're giving people a skill that you don't learn in school. You don't even learn it at work. In fact, you probably just you just probably have a lot of negative, um, like validate. You do the wrong thing. You know what I mean? Like the wrong. I did say negative uh, validation. You do the wrong thing. Yeah. You get rewarded, and then you do the wrong thing again. And Absolutely. everybody runs around in corporate, mis miscommunicating, and well, sometimes get promoted for it. Yeah, I mean, we talk a lot about um, how a big part of this program is helping people to unlearn some of the habits that we've all developed yes, that are yes. habits that are very human. Like uh, we, we typically interrupt each other. We we tell stories and then we all love telling stories and we all love talking about ourselves. So if Felix shares a personal story with me, I want to share my story back with him. And that's natural, but that doesn't necessarily build emotional connection or help yeah. Felix feel validated. So some of it is unlearning these bad habits. Yes. Um, and some of it is training leaders and people who have been taught that they have to wear, not, not necessarily taught, but they they wear a social mask at work, that this is how I show up. This is how I must be perceived. I am a man. I am a leader. I am a CEO. I, I must not necessarily show vulnerability. And I think what we try to do is help people um, remove that social mask as much as they feel comfortable doing. Um, and that process can be quite liberating for them. Um, oh, man, yeah. and, and that's the thing that fosters connection when you start to see the person behind the mask, uh, because we, we all wear them all the time. Yeah. And you've got a natural mask on at work, right? You, everybody's given that you have a role and you know, you're, you're the head of, you're the, you know, you're the head of HR, right? Your chief people, what is your chief people officer, right? CPO. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's that's a certain you behave a certain way. There's a script. Yeah. Yeah. And so we all fall into those traps, which is weird because we're all people. We walk in the corporate door and we're like, you know, put these masks on. Yeah. And it's theater at times. 
And it, I think what is interesting is really the question of like, because, you, you know, I think some of the um, people who attack some of the methods that we might deploy might say, well, you know, work is work. And, you know, this is not about your personal stuff. I'm not here to fix you, mm. um, you know, deal with this stuff at home. Don't yes. bring it to work. Yes. And I think, I think what is really important to, to notice is that, you know, we're not advocating for a workplace where you share everything and everything is, is game and, and everyone is, is forever vulnerable and, and, and needs to be protected. Uh, but we're also not advocating for a place where everyone is bulletproof and nothing is ever shared. I think we're mm-hmm. advocating for a place in the middle where you, you make a choice to share certain stories and you're intentional yes. about it but you still realize it still works so you're not going to kind of go go crazy and and share things that other people can't hold your space on but you you still are mm. selective so it's not it's not therapy but you can be much more open than you you yes. think you need to be and if you teach people the right uh, responding techniques it's a safe I, space and that's i think the cool part is you're is you're doing that i can understand somebody saying that but you know also the reason you may not want to do that the old way is because it people aren't don't know how to do it mm-hmm. right well yeah. the big risk because i'd be like that's crazy idea because nobody like you start doing that no one knows what i don't people don't know how to listen mm-hmm. and and then definitely responding is going to be weird so they're not going to be really good at you know supporting you and then people telling the stories are going to tell them not the wrong way but maybe not the way where people are going to be open so mm-hmm. i think yeah the training if it teaches you how to how to tell your story and how to listen and how to validate somebody man Hmm. genius actually it's it's very powerful and i think what we heard from people is that it did transform relationships at work but also it it transformed relationships outside of work so with with partners with children um that that sense of actually learning to be present and um letting my daughter talk uninterrupted when she's had a bad day at school before I jump in with my like, Oh, but it could have been that bad. And like, why didn't you do this? And I can't believe that happened. (laughs) Just learning to be quiet is, is hard for me as someone who likes to fix things. And these are, these are things we found people identifying with quite, quite strongly. It's very interesting. Hmm. I, I just love the idea of bringing this to work. I really believe that the mental health crisis can be best addressed through work. Uh, it's a place where we all go. It's a source of most people's, you know, current stress. And, and you know, I think um, depression and everything else is a lot of it's caused by work, uh, relationships at work. And if, man, if you can bring this kind of training. Mm-hmm. I had this silly fantasy of bringing the jar into work, mm-hmm. into an office. And it's, so it's, I'll, I'll tell you the little background, which has got 400 questions. And these are life questions. They're very vulnerable questions. They're what you think about, you know. Uh, acceptance, forgiveness, compassion, the past, the present, um, love, uh, hope, faith. Um, so to put that in and have two people sit down and actually pull a card for each other and listen to each other while there was a little bit of a larger group around them to observe. Mm-hmm. Um, so what well, you just described to me, I'm like, this is my idea is not that bananas. No, no. I, I mean, I think some organizations would, would be like, we're not ready for this yet. I, <laughs> for and, sure. and, 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 and I think there are probably some that aren't um, and may never be ready. But I also think that, I mean, what you're talking about there is just a, a, a technique a, 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 for building human connection. And um, yeah, yeah. I, think, I think we did a lot of things when we were in our leadership roles, which were quite similar. So like when I would, uh, I, I had a guy start for me, and um, typically when you bring someone on board, you go out and you say like, oh, tell me about your resume. Like, what are your skills? 
we went out for a two hour lunch at his suggestion and we each told a story about our lives. And we talked about how we, we, we found out that we both had divorced parents and we both had challenging relationships with one of our parents in our childhoods. Wow. Wow. And, um, and that gave me such a rich source of, um, yeah, such insight into his life. Um, so when I was helping him navigate the journey at, at our company, that really helped him and me professionally. Um, and, um, and, and I think sometimes discussing those deeper topics like love and forgiveness and compassion and empathy or, uh, mm. Mm-hmm. Those are big. To- they're they're the topics that shape our lives, and and people are being buffeted yes. by the world around them. So, I, I think there's something about creating the right safe space to discuss it, because otherwise it just sort of seeps out all over the place. And sometimes creating safe spaces means this is a place where you can have that conversation, yeah, and compartmentalize it perhaps, um, and people know what they're going to encounter. I th- I I don't know. I'd, I'd I'd love to see you do that experiment. I, I yeah, think I, there'd be some I'm gonna. I've got a little bit, I'm, I'm kind of excited about it. I think that, but as I listen to you guys what and what you're doing, I think the, the training part of this, you know, the, the, the part where mine is a little bit, a little bit like very Ken style, it's very much fly by the seat of your pants and anything could happen. What you've got with this triad, right? Where you're putting people into threes and they all have the skills and threes, a great group, a gr- perfect group size. Uh, it's very interesting. Very interesting because mm-hmm. you're training them. And I think this is the most important. You're giving them the skill mm. as opposed it, to the yeah. experience, only the experience. And I think I hadn't really reflected on your point, Ken, that, you know, you know, that you need your, you know, you need to trust your group that they can deal with whatever you're going to share. So you need yeah. to trust them that they can hold you. They can, they yeah. can see you and they're not going to weaponize what they hear later at work. They're not going <laughs> to, they're not going to judge you for it, not even in secret. And I think that's a, I hadn't considered that element as much in terms of creating that permission. And I, I do remember just to, to share like a personal story. I remember we were going through a third cohort of this training at, at the business where we were at. And I felt quite safe in that group. And, and what had happened in, in my life at the time was, yeah, that my sister had died by suicide two, two and a half years ago. And, and I felt zero, um, you know, I, I didn't doubt for a second that that group could handle that information, mm. which maybe people at work don't want to hear about, or they well, they wouldn't, they they would feel like, oh my god, how how what do I do? But the group was perfectly able, yeah. once they had gone through the training, to kind of hold that space and be okay. Mm. And I, I got my ten minutes, and then someone else talked about something else. So it's not that I get mm. double the amount of time just because something traumatic had happened. Everyone yes. has, we call it share the air. Everyone has the same amount of time. So that's that frame is really powerful in in creating that safety. I think. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I really do like that. And, and the fact that people know how to behave at that moment. Mm. And and also, too, the, like you said, the comfort of knowing, okay, I'm hearing this like, wow, Felix is really opening up. This is heavy stuff. What do I do with it? And they've got the training. They know what to do. They've, they've got the framework. Yeah, they've got the yeah. frame, the framework on, on how f- to manage it with themselves. And as each person is going to have a little different, a little different methodology within the framework. Mm. Very cool. I think one of the things I liked, one of the other structures that helped me sort of get my head around it was because um, I'm, I'm quite an open person at work, but but I'm not necessarily a super emotional person in a in a I guess in a crying sense. And and I am definitely uncomfortable when other people cry on me. Um, and I, one of the one of the modules that we were taught and we now teach was around how do you deal with um, situations when you feel strong emotions yourself and, and being comfortable with identifying them. But also, how do you do how do you allow someone else to sit with the, with their emotions? So instead of 
if someone cries on you, I, I and instead of trying to fix them or like feeling awkward and yes. sort of British about it as as we are over here, <laughs> um, just allowing them to sit with their emotions and being like, it's okay. I'm I'm just gonna sort of hold space for you. And and I found myself coming back to that professionally so many times when people have had wobbles, just just allowing them to have those emotions. And yeah. I've, I've, I've I now use it myself on days when I'm down and and I'm just like. I wonder. I wonder what. I wonder what's driving that. And tr- I try to be curious instead of going to it into a to a deep dark. What place. is? Yeah. What's happened? Yeah. What's happening? Why am I feeling? Why am I getting this wave, kind of choking me up? Hmm. It's interesting, right? Because it is. I'm also a fixer, and it is one of the hardest things to do is just when to shut up or not do anything and listen and hold that space. Um, and that's I've I've definitely learned on the jar you know, by being in, around people and because people do, you know, kind of have emotional reactions sometimes to tell them a story. Hmm. And I have learned to just kind of, like you said, it's their moment. And it's actually yeah. a beautiful, like that expression is meant, means they've communicated something, they've opened up and they've let it out. And that emotion f- kind of follows. Hmm. Yeah. I remember I had my own sort of moment uh, in one of in my triad where I, I shared I talked for two minutes about how homesick I felt because I was stuck in America. I couldn't get a visa. I hadn't been home to the UK for two and a half years. Oh, My I've... kids hadn't seen their grandparents. Oh man! And um, and I and I didn't realize how how much it impacted me. But I started talking and I couldn't get the words out. And actually, one of the people in the group with me was a direct report of mine. So I she, she I managed her. I did her performance review. You're, you're trying and, to hold it together. <laughs> and, and, but, but for similar reasons to Felix, like I, I, I felt trust in that moment. They held the space. We'd all been through this same training, this common language. And and it was actually, I, I don't think I realized that I I needed that because I hadn't I hadn't cried on my wife. I hadn't cried on my kids. Um, but I just had this small space. And then wow. and then we all just went back to work. It was fine. Uh, and it wasn't weird at all. And I'm not saying that everyone would have that experience and there wouldn't be challenges, but I, I do think you have it's to sometimes lean into this this messy stuff. Like this messy stuff comes with us to work and we can either sort of own it and explore mm-hmm. it and corral it or we can repress it. And then it's yeah. all there anyway. And it comes out in dysfunction, in attrition, in disengagement, in disillusionment and all, all of the things that we that we know are going on in workplaces today anyway. Yeah, it's definitely going to, it does come out. You can't hide. This is a funny thing. It's you can't, it's not, you're not going to sweep it into the corners. Um, so what are you guys doing now? How do you, what's the business going to, what's next for the business? What are you working on now? How new are you? And, and what's, what's the most important thing you're working on? I think we're, we're quite new. At least I, I feel we're quite new. We launched in February um, this <laughs> oh, year. It's so, pretty new. Yeah, you can say yeah. you're new. So, um, and we're like, we're bootstrapping, like we, we don't uh, feel we need to take on capital right now, or, or yeah. we don't want to lose um, the, the autonomy that, um, that would uh, kind of endanger. So it's really just trying to, you know, win a bunch of clients have great case studies, gather yeah. data pre and post, and also okay. data of people who have gone through it and haven't gone through it. So we can make the case around attrition, around engagement, around mm-hmm. pride, belonging, sick leave. And I think it's, it's all about those cases and saying like, you know, we've done this, We've found progressive folks who who are willing to yep. trial it, and and we have we can make the business case really sing because we have a business case. But we need more data points to say if you do this, you can have you have an ROI of X, <clears throat> and we have arguments for the CFO, which we will get in no time. But it's really building that belief system and and those cases that we can put on the website, and then 
and then grow from there and then scale from there really and then you yeah once you've got that the the data i saw somewhere yeah. that they were that the estimate was one dollar of spend on medical on on mental health for a business gets four bucks four dollars back yeah i think there's a few studies out there i, I actually was looking at one uh, this morning and it was a it was a i think another deloitte one and I, and they said that it was something like for every pound invested in a reactive program, you can expect yeah. perhaps a one in four, one in five return. And um, if it's actually focused more on preventative measures, you can expect a return of up to 11 or 12 times the investment I, because you get ahead of the things and you're not reacting to the yes. crisis when it happens. I, I, could, I could do a whole nother business career around uh, selling this product. Like I could, I could go into selling these kind of products tomorrow. Um, cause I'm just one, I'm passionate about it too, is I, I believe like the numbers are so stupidly like, why would you say no? Mm. Why wouldn't, but, yeah. like, what employer would say no to this? It's mind boggling. You've got, but I think, it, I think yeah. it's, yeah, it's important ahead. to say that there, there's so much snake oil uh, yes. being, yeah, yeah, yeah. being yes. sold in the industry. Like there's, you know, there's, it's a super crowded market. There are thousands of apps there and there's, yes. it's, you know, initiative overload. And I think a lot of companies are quite, you know, want to do something. They want to have that that kind of tick box exercise and say, "We've done it, guys. It's sorted." Um, and it, yes. it's you know, the, the evidence isn't there and the impact isn't there. But it's it's quite difficult to cut through. I do. those I'd people agree with that. That's who actually biggest... want to do something about it, not yeah. just uh, have a superficial view on that. Yeah, I have my rule of thirds. Right, there's a third of these people who just want to tick the box, and yeah. that's literally it. HR people and the CFO or CEO are just like maybe one or two people have good intentions, but basically it will get killed by the culture, and it's tick the box. And you know, one third are going to buy the wrong product. They want they have good intentions, but they're not skilled enough to make it through the right final product. And so one third of them are open and they're going to find they're engaged in the right product and really launch it well. Um, mm. And we'll have a big impact. Yeah. And I think, impact. I mean, you said like launch it well, I think, I think sometimes businesses can underestimate the amount of, um, I guess it's not underestimating the time and energy, but like, I guess the difference you can make by launching it well, having a senior sponsor, thinking about oh. how you're going to campaign it through the organization and not just sort of set it and forget it. And, yes. and that can make a huge difference, whether it's doing a program like ours, which which then leads to how do you sustain it through the ongoing groups or whether it's mental health first aiding or hmm. whether it is an app that you don't just launch one day at a staff <laughs> meeting and then sort of moan a few months later why take up is only 5% because the novelty is worn off. Um, so all it's going to have to be a very sexy app to get people off the crack cocaine of Instagram or YouTube or whatever or TikTok. Yeah. I mean, ment like mental health for a 30 minute exercise or death scroll TikTok. <laughs> it's funny you say that. I had an argument with my wife this evening because she was death scrolling. And I was like, are you death scrolling? And, and, <laughs> and she was like, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm done. And she played half an hour. I was like, you need to stop. And then, she, uh, and then I was like, oh, this is one of those moments where you don't, you're not looking for me to fix you, right? Like, you don't. And she was like, nope. And she kept on death scrolling. So fine. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not listening well or helping Zip. this evening. Yeah, just to, yeah. That's not your moment. Um, very cool. And so you're just you. You're going to launch in the UK first, where you're where you're at, or you don't care. It's quite, it's quite flexible because you know Phil has a network in the US, uh, and both of us have a good network in the UK. I live mm -hmm. in Germany. It does, you know we've done it in different languages. It doesn't like you know 
it doesn't really matter where the client is. We're pitching okay. to folks in the US, but it's, you know, Anglo-American dominantly for now. But um, I also think that the Scandis would, you know, from a cultural point of view, would be quite up for trying this and being into it um, mm. from a, you know, just from a Scandinavian Scandinavians. Yeah. Mm. And buying, we deliver buying, it uh, online. Yeah. Oh, you're because, doing it online. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, the, the program in the community runs in face-to-face -face sessions and we can run it face-to-face. -face. It works really well. Um, at the moment, we're focused on online delivery, partly because I think the places where we're seeing the, the greatest need is in organizations where they have quite dispersed yeah, workforces. Yeah. Some people are working at home, some are in the office, yeah. they're trialing three-day weeks, they, they've got folks working remote, people in different countries, and that increases the sense of disconnection um, and, and weak relationships. Uh, so jumping on a call, whilst we have to be careful of like Zoom over, Zoom fatigue and, and design that out, um, it, it can be quite um, democratic to, to look at people on a screen like this and really focus, focus your time and energy on them. Yeah, it, it, I think the whole, I think the Zoom or at least on these online meetings, um, I think, like you said, there's a risk of becoming the burnout of it, right? Just completely Zoomed out. Um, but it's also, if it's something new and fresh and it's a human, you know, you're, you're learning something and you go into class and you've got to, you know, these are my two buddies, through this program for the next, you know, three months or whatever the time frame is, I think you get people interested. Mm. I, would, I would think you get people showing up, you know, um, present. Yeah, I mean, that was certainly the case for us, wasn't it, Felix? I mean, we uh, we had groups where two people were in the U.S. and one was in the U.K. So you'd all jump oh, cool. on a call, and 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 that also supported our objectives because we were also looking to foster connection between but, two cultures uh, and offices cultures. who we wanted to collaborate, but. Um, had certain preconceptions about the other office at times. So that also helped to break down some of those stereotypes about the Brits and the Americans. Oh man. It's um, so easy to get like office culture wrong, right. Between two hmm. different, even within the same country, hmm. you know, the yeah. manufacturing side, the service side, yeah. the, the design people, the ones who yes. actually sell it. I'm selling it. These idiots, you know, they don't know what they're doing over there. They're building these things and, you know, yeah, what and a we, great had, way. we definitely had all of that. And, and again, another thing that worked for us was the sense of this isn't about title or division. This is just about showing up as a as a human being. And you can talk about work or you can talk about your personal stuff or mixture. And and but you're not negotiating for resource or talent or budget uh, or competing. And, and I think that that helps, though, when you get outside of the room and you are in those yeah. high stress situations because you've got a stronger relationship with that person. So you have a strong you, you yeah. have increased empathy for what they might be dealing with outside work. And you might treat them in a slightly more humane way when you're working with them on a project. I, if the end of the training, you have a wee bit more grace for your fellow employee. Right. I, I think then then it's a winner. You'll see the metrics. Right. If I just have a little bit better appreciation for the human on the other end of my my emails, um, I'll type them a nice a bit nicer. I'll say nicer things. You know, I know them. They're my friend now. Right. Mm -hmm. they, they told, she told me about her struggles, like you said, as a childhood. We both you know, went through divorce. You know, our kids went through divorces, for yeah. example. Right. Like you said, that's bonding, man. That's really information that's valuable to know. I got. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I appreciate. Yeah. That guy's been through what I've been through. We're, yeah, we're kind I, of brothers. 
And I think we're always a little bit nervous about using the word friend. Uh, like, so I, yeah. I would say on the course, there were people who I, I probably off the back of it did become friendly with and make uh, and became friends. And then there are others where I, I just now have increased respect, empathy, understanding, and a much stronger relationship. We're not necessarily best buds or, or friends, and that's not something actually that's necessarily always healthy in a in a business environment. But but we absolutely. Yeah, our relationship is stronger. Yeah. And that's, yeah. I think, what businesses should perhaps strive for. The world would be a, a better place if, if if every relationship was 5% stronger. Things might be a bit different. Oh, man. And you can't outsource that. You can't say like, oh, can I get this trainer in to you know, sort connections out at work? You, you need to get the <laughs> to do the connections. This so that's is the whole point. I mean, Felix, that's a super powerful point, right? This is not, think of how many trainings we've had how many corporate trainings I've been through, you guys have been through, but probably you've run, right? Where, you know, you yeah. put people through and it's some outside vendor and, you know, we do some team building or we go offside and, you know, we bonding uh, mm -hmm. and, you know, it's just, there's no connection made. No one's listening to the next person. Everybody's worried about their, you know, trying to not be too vulnerable, yeah. not to show any so soft side, <laughs> right? Yeah. Such you a know. waste of time. <laughs> oh, man. If you I, hang out with people and then you're not honest, like why even hang out with people? I, like it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I can. You, of course, you're not going to be honest. They're not going to be. I'm not going to be honest. You're not honest. And if I was honest, you know, then it might get ugly. And also, mm. people don't know how to take uh, feedback or give feedback. The, what you're doing with the training, I think, is powerful because it does give people the skills that they don't have to communicate with each other, and then doing it in a safe space. Um, and I think yeah, if you bring that at work, it's amazing. We spoke to a client today and they said, it's super simple what you do, but it's difficult to actually <laughs> learn. And I think that's a really that's, great summary. That's a great, yeah. Yeah, what you're doing is very simple, very fundamental. But man, execution. But if when you get it right, when you execute this right, it's transformational for a company. Um, transformational. Guys, how about we're we're at the end? I think we got the shtick. We got the idea. Um, how do people or should people look and be looking for you yet? Is it too early? Um, no, definitely, definitely not too early. You know, we're working with our our first few clients. Uh, we're we're running workshops um, already all the time. So um, I think the best thing, if if any of this resonates with people, uh, connect with us on LinkedIn, Phil Burgess or Felix Koch. Um, our corporate pages on within and i think you flashed up our website so they can also connect with us or get in touch with us on there um and it might be that they want to do something with us or it might be that some of these ideas just resonate and i think we're at the stage where we would love some more pioneering clients yeah and yeah. we're also always just keen to talk to interesting people who can challenge our thinking stretch our thinking uh yeah, be part of this mission to, to change businesses because there's a, there's a lot of work to be done. So yeah. it doesn't all have to be done by us, thankfully. You you got my um you know my my pom poms are out because uh, you know you're on you're on a couple of my favorite topics. One is you know communication, um and and doing it through and mental health and doing it through the workplace, and I think that's one of the most powerful places to deliver these tools, these skills for people to you know to help each other. And we're mm. all kind of walking each other home on this big blue spinning ball. And, you know, we got to go to work to do it sometimes. Yeah. 
we also do we also do 90 minute workshops every week for free where people can sign up and just learn three of the key oh. habits that that you can unlearn to have better connection with humans so people get you know they can they can find the calendar on the website they can just on the website for free and just see whether they like the stuff because it's difficult to explain it's very nice to experience so if any listener wants to sign up they are very welcome to do that yeah so uh get over to uh business i'm sorry um within dot business perfect and that's uh, so it's www.within.business. Uh, go find some of the what they're doing, uh, what Felix um, uh, and Phil are doing, and also go in and, and actually play around with it. That's kind of cool. You can go play around. I'm definitely going to be doing that. Uh, guys, thanks again for being guests. Thanks for sharing what you're doing. Um, I'm sure you know uh, this will spin around with me a little bit, and I may have some, you know, try to find out some suggestions for you for people to talk to. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, it's been fun chatting. Get my brain cooking now. You got me excited. Thanks, everybody, Thank for you. listening to the show. Um, we come out about every, almost every day. We have an, every five days a week. We have a new episode out uh, on mental health today, and so this is just one of the one of the episodes, and it should be on all your normal kind of platforms, your audio platforms, uh, in about two weeks. And this episode will air and be permanent, you know, floating around on LinkedIn, Facebook, and YouTube. Guys, I'll see you in 30. Yeah, loose, baby. But we're about to go and make this vessel with these great professionals yeah. in public glass. We're not part of the community, but we're from the outer family of glass blowing. Yeah, we're going to go make a magical giant jar with optic lenses so that if you turn it it changes all the time so if you change the way you look at things the things you look at change